Welcome back to Common Fan Commentary. I am your host, Adam. Today joined with me is Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Oh, man, it's another beautiful day. Out of the freeze and into uh, a nice conversation about sports and welcoming in the Super Bowl. So we're doing great. Yeah, happy to hear that you survived that. That's definitely an undertaking that Texans are not ready for. <laughs> so. You know, this was the second version of Dalaska, and I think uh, <laughs> I think I'm pretty well adjusted at this point. So we love it. Got all that beef jerky packed. Make sure you get uh, all your doomsday prep ready. <laughs> Big event this week. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it, but the Super Bowl. It's Chiefs versus Eagles. It's the number one seed from the AFC versus the NFC. Top to bottom, well-run organizations head-to-head against each other. What do you make of this year's Super Bowl run? You know, probably the most excited just because it's Patrick Mahomes, again, competing at the highest level. I mean, he's a generational talent, and it's exciting because on the other side of the ball, you have another talent who, you know, I think a lot of people thought he was just maybe a system quarterback. Well, he misses three games at the end of the season. Eagles don't win any of those three games. You know, it's proven to be very valuable on his, on his feet as well as through the air. So I'm actually really excited because I think offensively both of these teams are, you know, going to put on a put on a show. I'm excited because both of these quarterbacks as well sort of represent the new modern age quarterback where you have to be somewhat dynamic in both being inside the pocket and outside the pocket. I feel like this definitely spells Brady retiring previous conception of a pure pocket passer that has completely been thrown out the window for this modern age of quarterback that can just make plays under any sort of circumstance. And I think that's going to be a incredible storyline. I mean, you already have the Kelsey versus Kelsey, which has been probably talked to death by now. I love those two guys. They're, like You're right, though. It's been absolutely worn into the ground. But honestly, that'd be really cool. You know, as like a parent, like I'm not a parent yet or anything, but I think about that and I'm like, man, if I could have two sons that both make it to the Super Bowl, like uh, that's a, that's pretty good. That's some pretty good stats. They could have shared the talent between the rest of the world, but now they decided to have two sons that make it to the NFL at their respective position. Right. It's like, and it's all pros on Super Bowl teams. I'm like, what are the odds? Like, <laughs> that's a <laughs> share the wealth. During this NFL playoffs, we saw the Eagles have a fairly easy road to get here. I mean, they are a great team. They went 13-4 and in the regular season, number one seed and all. But they beat the Giants, and then they beat the 49ers, who were already on their third-string quarterback, seventh-rounder Brock Purdy, and then injure him on the first drive of the game, uh, where he can't throw the ball anymore. So then they got to throw in, it's a good trivia point here, Josh Johnson, the guy who played for the 49ers in the divisional round, has played for the most teams in the NFL than anyone else in NFL history. Wasn't it like 13 or 14? Like, it was yeah. ridiculous. Right. He was on three or four this year alone. And the 49ers were just happening to be the most current team. And then he gets injured, and they have to put in Brock Purdy again with a bum elbow. Then he's already going to miss six months with, with that UCL injury. For those, especially Cowboys fans out there, that say the Eagles are an overrated team that had a cakewalk into the Super Bowl, what would you say to them? Well, it's tough. It does. It is upsetting that Brock Purdy got knocked out of that game. It's tough because the 49ers defense is so good, and they still didn't really go out and shut down the Eagles. And that's kind of my biggest argument point. Like, if that game ends 14-7, to, to seven, okay, yeah, I think with a quarterback, the 49ers maybe win that game. 
but I didn't really feel like it was that close. And normally, you know, that's something I wouldn't expect. And now the Giants, another like tough thing to judge because you play a team three times in the regular season. Like it's really hard to beat someone three times. We hear that a lot in the NFL. I don't know. I, I think the Eagles deserve to be there. I, I didn't, I never saw another team in the NFC where I was really blown away coming into the playoffs i thought the vikings were probably the biggest frauds in the nfl the cowboys when did they not blow it all they have to do is make it to the nfc championship game one time exactly past 28 years unreal that unreal if you really think about it like since the cowboys have won a super bowl i think the eagles have two the giants have two i think you could probably say over that time span the cowboys had probably the most talented rosters in the NFC East over that time span and and never got the job done. So I don't know. I, I think that's kind of an ownership thing at this point. But no, I, I think the Eagles are fantastic. And like I said, I, I really like Jalen Hurts. And I think the thing that I like the most is he kind of represents a different kind of dynamic quarterback opposite to Patrick Mahomes. Because like you mentioned, I think these are new age, you know, kind of next gen, what we can prepare to see for the next 10, 15 years be really successful. But I also think that they get it done very different ways. Patrick Mahomes is a little bit more of a pocket passer, but I think he also is in a very, very good offense that he's been taught to see the game a little bit differently through the eyes of Andy Reid. What makes the offense successful is, you know, he can go out and make a play too. I I think some of the throws he makes, I, I don't really think any other quarterback in the NFL outside of maybe Aaron Rodgers could even get close to making throws like that. But then on the opposite side of it, you know, Jalen Hurts is a little bit, you know, his dynamic is different because how he can use his legs, but also just how big and physical he is. He's like Josh Allen if Josh Allen wasn't turnover prone. And uh, I think this profile is going to be a good game, and I think the Eagles deserve it. See, I'm a little bit in the middle on that. They did benefit from having the easiest regular season schedule in the NFL, which given they didn't have to play the Eagles. Right. That, and then they get a fourth string practice squad quarterback in the NFC Championship after getting a team that they've already trounced twice. Again, they had to beat Daniel Jones and the Giants, which they had a surprising year. You got to give them props there, uh, especially their new coach, uh, Brian Dabble. Right. Given their surprising year, they still got their butts beat pretty handily. We saw Gardner Minshew come into the game. That like It was that bad. It's hard for me to say because the Eagles did have a very case schedule. But man, that team is stacked from the interior on all three levels on both sides of the ball. They are just stacked as a roster. And it's hard not, to, as like an armchair GM, you look at that team and you're like, wow, they they opened their Madden packs in Ultimate Team. Yeah. Like, they really paid attention to that. They drafted Jalen Hurts even when they already had a quarterback who was coming off in an excellent season. When they had Carson Wentz. And everyone was saying, well, why are you doing that? Exactly. It makes no sense. Maybe they were on to something. My question, too, is their head coach, Nick Sirianni, credited with the success of the Colts offense back in the day. Um, under Frank Reich. Now he's running the one of the best teams in the league. Do you think he's overrated as a head coach? Or is this roster, could you plug and play any other coach into this team and have success as much as he's had? No, I don't think so. I'll, I'll absolutely give him uh, give him his credit. I mean, he was under Mike McCoy, under Frank Reich, and he had success everywhere he went. He had different starting quarterbacks in each year he worked for the Colts. You know, he went from Andrew Luck to Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers. And like, you know, those last two quarterbacks weren't nearly as dynamic as Andrew Luck. You know, Andrew Luck is probably one of the most, he's one person that I wish in the NFL would have, you know, got a longer career because I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I think you and the entire Midwest 
Even, I mean, he even spent time at the Chiefs early in his career, and uh, he was retained under Romeo Cornell. You know, almost saw the Andy Reid era, but no, I think he absolutely deserves the credit. I don't think he's, I just was glad to see him finally get a team, because the Eagles, I don't know, they were so frustrating for the longest amount of time. You look back a few years, like, the Chip Kelly Eagles were absolutely miserable, and there just wasn't a lot going on. And I think Nick Sirianni is a direct credit to how well he's done in the franchise, and you know what he's built in Philadelphia. And so, I think in two years, I think he's perfect for their city too. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, kind of hard nosed. He's a guy I hate as a person. <laughs> the way he, the way he acts on the sideline, like a just a total goofball, and. The way he's looking at he's looking at the cameras and dancing. It's like, come on, dude, you're the head coach. But his players love him. You know, they love that attitude. I mean, at least he's not hitting a vape on the sideline. Yeah, <laughs> and getting a delay of game penalty because of it. <laughs> that right. loses you the game. You know, like there's there's worse things to do. Like it's 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 passion. No, I think I think he's fantastic and. Uh, you know, I don't think he. I think he pales into comparison to Andy Reid, though. If we see anything here, you know, I, I know. I think it was someone from Kansas City came out this week and was like, "Listen, I'd take all my liquid assets and bet it on the Chiefs." Hmm. And that's kind of how I lean too, because you know they've been here, done that, and then not only that. I mean, I think Andy Reid is. I think very, very highly, very, very highly of Andy Reid, and so I don't think Sirianni. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think he's outmatched as a coach, but I also think his team somewhat outmatches the Chiefs because you lose your big-time number one, Tyreek Hill. There's been a whole slew of receivers try to kind of fill that position. Valdez Scantling, he's someone that I'm even surprised is playing well. I watched him drop so many balls for years in Green Bay. Uh, <laughs> it was honestly embarrassing, and all of a sudden this playoff run, he can't drop a ball. So I, I don't know where this came from. Like The, the stud in the offense is for sure Travis Kelsey, but – the running game, you know, has also been super prevalent for, for Kansas City. And I don't think the players are necessarily as talented, but I think that how they're coached and the kind of team chemistry that that team rides with, I, I think that that's what wins the Super Bowl over the Eagles. Because I don't think Sirianni's as good as an mm -hmm. Andy Reid. Well, I mean, Andy Reid definitely proved that this year by losing Tyree Kill and trading him to the Dolphins. Yeah. And they still had one of the top offenses in the entire NFL. And we were talking about Patrick mm -hmm. Mahomes potentially breaking the passing yards record in a season. And without his number one receiver, like, that's insane. They yeah. had, four, I believe it was 14 different players this year have scored a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's like the fact that they can plug and play people into such a strong system with Patrick Mahomes leading the way. It is hard to bet against the Chiefs here, I think. I think the biggest thing is the health of these two quarterbacks, too. I mean, we saw Jalen Hurts miss time at the end of the year with his shoulder. He still said during the playoffs that it wasn't 100%, yet they still beat the crap out of the Giants. Mm -hmm. And then Patrick Mahomes getting injured during the divisional round as well against Jacksonville. Everyone was talking, was he going to play against the Bengals? It's like, no way Patrick's going to miss this game. He's going to play on one foot if he has to. The health of these quarterbacks is going to be a, a somewhat big factor in this as well. And the fact that the Chiefs overcame the Burrowhead curse, everyone's started to doubt them pretty much since they lost Tyreek Hill. And I feel like they use that as fuel to just become a better team overall. It supports one of my favorite narratives in football. You just don't pay wide receivers. You don't <laughs> have to. You, like, literally, like, 
you can go out and find wide receivers almost anywhere. Like people act like it's a diamond dozen. Like, yeah, would it be cool to have a Devonte Adams with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, of course, because that dude is open, you know, more frequently than a seven 11. Like, but at the same time, you don't have to pay these guys because that's the thing. They demand so much money. You saw like Christian Kirk go out and get a huge contract this off season. And, and it's like, why, why pay Christian Kirk? And like, you know, he's come out and said, you know, I'm an elite receiver, sure. But it really supports the narrative that it's all about the foundation. When you have a good foundation built in how you run your offense, how your team is managed, it just goes to show that as long as you have a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, I'm all for paying quarterbacks. Because I think that intelligence-wise, like, you want them to be the most intelligent person on the field. And when they understand an offense, truly understand, you know, the people around them, they're dangerous. And that's what Patrick Mahomes is. And I think it just proves that you don't necessarily have to pay receivers. You don't have to pay a running back. I honestly, over the last five years, people will probably make fun of me on this podcast for saying this, but like, I don't think I could name more than like maybe two Kansas City running backs since like Jamal Charles. Like, because it they don't matter. Like, they, they it's a revolving door of who you see in the backfield. What is it? Uh, Pacheco? He's going crazy. Is that the seventh round. And it's like, you know, these... Yeah, like, and you can find this kind of young talent that uh, is good for two or three years, you know, does their thing and goes out and gets the bag elsewhere. And then you just rotate in another seventh rounder to to come do your bidding. I mean, I think the only the only argument I'd make is just at the tight end position, because like you look at tight ends like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, those guys are not everywhere. You know, you can't find those those on every single team. And so. I think position-wise, you're talking about they have two of the best positions in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I really like the team. As much as I pretend to hate them, I like them because, you know, I wanted them to lose to the Bengals. Uh, I think Joe Burrow is a pretty cool guy. You know, he's kind of flashy, and I don't necessarily love that. But at the same time, I like his fight. And, you know, it, it was tough to see. I'll tell you what, I was really disappointed because I wanted to see that game in a really cool fashion. And I felt like it was so anticlimactic that, like, the last two drives of the game ended up building up to a roughing the quarterback penalty or a late hit penalty, which moved him 15 yards up into field goal position and effectively gave them the game. I couldn't have been more upset by that. Well, we'll, we'll get into the, the Chiefs-Bengals game in a minute, but I just wanted to propose counter to your should you pay wide receivers comment. Okay. One is A.J. Brown. The Eagles, I would argue, would not be nearly as good this year without A.J. Brown. If Devontae Smith was still their number one, I would think they would be much worse off. I agree, but I I think you could also say that Jalen Hurts isn't as dynamic of a passer as Patrick Mahomes. Okay, and then my second argument with that would be the success of Aaron Rodgers after losing Devontae Adams. I think it took him a while to gel. I mean, late in the season, I mean, they made a run. They... They won five of their last six games. They missed the playoffs because they lost to the Lions. I've never seen the Packers lose to the Lions twice in one season. But at the same time, you know, that Lions team was kind of a team of destiny this year. You know, hard knocks, everything like that. They were cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that's, that's, those are my arguments for saying you should have your num- at least have your number one receiver. I mean, where did Aaron Rodgers finish ranking-wise of quarterbacks in the NFL? I guarantee it wasn't, out- I guarantee it wasn't outside of the top ten. It's true, but team success as well. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So, back to the Chiefs-Bengals. That game was so frustrating to watch because it had all the makings 
of something you tell your kids about someday. You know, the, the, that Rams Chiefs game where they scored, you know, 90 points, 900 yards, like that, we, we were prepped for something of that caliber. Or the Bills Chiefs where it, they lost because of a coin toss and back and forth of the top offenses of the league. Things that you see on highlight reels for decades. Instead, it was with a whimper of just the Bengals shooting themselves in the foot at the wrong time. And a lot of it was because of the officiating crew. Yep. Now, there were, I've seen arguments about the officiating during that game wasn't necessarily directly consequential into the outcome of the game. Um, like the intentional grounding that wasn't intentional grounding that set up a third and long that the Bengals eventually did convert. They said, well, it's inconsequential because of that. W- would you say that the officiating during this game affected the outcome? No, I never blame officials because like there's so many plays that happen over the course of a game like you know you could talk about a a drive that you know a three and out drive in the first quarter that had nothing to do with the officials that you just didn't have the right play calls and let's say that drive wasn't a three and out and it was a touchdown well that shapes the game completely differently and so uh, and then the, the penalty at the end it was a penalty you know that's that's the part I hated you know was like I couldn't even be mad at the officials because I saw what happened you know, quarterback Mahomes is running out of bounds. He's clearly out of bounds. You can't finish that play. First year guy, or I believe second year guy who, who committed the penalty. But and so it's just tough as a young player. And so, no, I don't blame officials. I just think it just it all shakes down. to It's easy to microscope or scapegoat using officials. But like I said, there, there's so many plays over the course of a game that you, you can't really say a few bad calls going your way affected the game because. I could argue a few bad calls from your offensive coordinator cost you the game, you know? So I really, really want to wholeheartedly agree with you here, but I got I to gotta be on the other side of this, where the, that game in particular, the, the concept of how much officiating involves the, itself in the outcome of a game, it was so important to this game, we would see a totally different outcome with a different re- officiating crew altogether. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that, everyone zooms in on the last play of the game. and it is, Yeah, no, it's no kidding. It's a late hit. But how'd they get there? What was the drive before that? What was the drive before that? It was a lot of officiating decisions that led up to that point. It's, it's, not, it's not just one in particular play. It's a butterfly effect, right? Yeah, right. they converted that third down on, in their own territory. But that was a play call that they could have had 10 yards further closer to field goal range instead of having to punt at midfield instead of having to have that play again where they had to stop them on fourth down or third down for the second time force a punt you have 30 second more seconds on the clock different outcomes it's kind of the the same way i view baseball everyone says it's not that important if one one pitch is called one way or another well if you think about it so much changes on a, just a, a cascading effect of one call. So it's really hard for me to ignore the fact that officiating, yeah, was not one-to-one directly correlated with the Bengals losing this game. But man, I feel like so much would be different if some of that was called correctly. And it felt like that for some reason, this NFL playoffs, the, the refs we got were ready to be busy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it felt like a flag war between all the games. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree with that. I will comment on the baseball thing because I think that's different. Uh, an umpire has to be involved in every single pitch. Whereas in, in football, you, you could go a few plays without ever hearing from a ref. 
And so I think it does stunt a baseball game differently because if you've got a guy calling strikes six inches off the left side of the plate, it's going to affect how all your hitters are looking at that strike zone. And so I could easily see that. But, you know, you got to ask yourself, maybe that's just what the script uh, said. Maybe that's just what the NFL scripted. (laughs) (laughs) That has been my favorite Twitter trend, I think, in the past two years. Oh, same. (laughs) (laughs) That the NFL is scripted. Now, okay, so if the NFL is scripted, I don't know if you've seen this conspiracy already, but apparently there's been a leak of the Super Bowl script where the Chiefs will take a 14-0 lead at the first quarter and the final score will be 37 to 34 Eagles. And that now, because of that, 37-34 exact score is the fourth highest Super Bowl prop that has been betted because of that leak. <laughs> now, nah, that's just that's a vacated that's the exact MGM <laughs> uh, putting out information so Vegas cleans house in uh in the Super Bowl. Cuz my thing is uh for an event like this, uh, I don't think you're getting that script until a day before the game. <laughs> you know, like, no, okay, I, I'm being a little bit, how would you say, audacious, because I don't think the NFL is actually scripted. I do buy into storylines, you know, and I can see where you can make the argument, because if you ask me what what the what the Chiefs winning and beating the Bengals set up was five more years of the next QB rivalry, the next Brady-Manning. It does feel a lot, lot similar. And so... You know, because you can't have a rivalry if one team always wins. And so now the storyline heading into next year's playoffs is going to be, you know, are we going to see an AFC championship rematch between these two powerhouses? And, you know, if that happens, maybe it's a, maybe it's in Cincinnati next year. And now it's a whole. So, I mean, I do believe in storylines because I think every single sport has that storyline that, I don't know, kind of makes it great. Because at the end of the day, these are all entertainment, you know, sources. I think basketball, NBA is for sure scripted. <laughs> and so football, it's hard to say just because there's so much that can happen. 11 people on the field, it's a lot harder to control an outcome. You know, you look at basketball, there's only five people on a team on the court at once. You know, it's easier to kind of shape outcomes, so to speak. Baseball, you know, revolves around really two players, pitcher, hitter. I don't know. It, it's interesting to think about. But yeah, it's been one of my favorite Twitter tw- Twitter trends easily for the last two weeks tom brady looking at russell wilson before they played each other in the super bowl and they're looking at the script <laughs> rg3 looking at his script for his career yeah that was one of my favorites looking at the 2012 script for rg3 like <laughs> <laughs> you know as funny as it's been you gotta look who said it. it it was arian foster arian foster is basically the kyrie irving in the nfl that is a perfect description. Like, literally. You want to talk about two people that are just off their rocker 80% of the time? That's Arian Foster. And so, I, I don't know. Like, as funny as I thought it was, like, when I saw who said it, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that adds up. That all makes sense. <laughs> I, we've done all this talking about the Super Bowl. I guess now it's come down to it. Who do you have in this game? I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. I do think they go somewhat down early. I don't think it's 14-0. I think going into halftime, you see them trailing probably 10-17. to And then I think the Eagles come out, score a touchdown, make it 24-10. 
Uh, and then I, I think you see a vintage performance where, uh, in a very iconic fashion, Patrick Mahomes takes over, uh, puts together three or four good scoring drives, and you know I think the I think the game opens up, but. I ultimately think that the Kansas City Chiefs win this year. I don't want it to be a clean sweep of the podcast because I'm rooting for the Chiefs because Nick Sirianni drives me absolutely nuts. <laughs> but, you know, Philly loves him. His players love him. So it makes sense that everyone else would hate him. Anyone who's not an Eagles fan or player. Uh, so I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but I'm, I'll, I'll go Eagles 27-24. It's going to be really tight and low scoring at the start, and then the fourth quarter is just going to blow up, and hopefully we'll have a lot of injury with that. Well, hey, the next storyline that we haven't talked about is, has anyone touched the Rocky statue yet? True. I haven't seen anything yet, so, uh, you know, if anything, Adam, you may need to fly to Philadelphia, put a Patrick Mahomes jersey on the Rocky statue, and I think that would almost ensure you a Philly victory. I think that would ensure that I also come back in a casket (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i also do blame the Bengals' loss on the cincinnati mayor oh i saw that yeah you know posted a video saying like oh uh let it be known resolution that that we need to check patrick mahomes paternity test to see if it's joe burrow it's like dude that's literally just fueling everything for a loss like you have nothing to gain if you win that game now but that guy gets reelected. You know, (laughs) (laughs) he's going to have every blue blood in the state rooting for him. So I don't know. Hey, common fans, Adam here. The best way to support this podcast is by clicking the follow button on whatever platform you're using. It's free and it helps us out tremendously. Thanks in advance and enjoy the rest of the episode. But uh, looking forward past the Super Bowl now, you know, 30 other teams sitting on the couch watching prepping for their off seasons. Uh, Some things that I think that are some interesting storylines to look at and to pay attention to. One is the quarterbacks for hire at the moment. Right now, Geno Smith, do you think he had a resurgent season after they traded away Russell Wilson, their Super Bowl winning franchise guy to the Broncos? Broncos then go top five pick worthy and give a, a top five pick to the Seahawks after the Seahawks make the playoffs. Um, so do, if you're the Seahawks, do you re-sign Geno Smith? Sure. Uh, now that's a system. That's a system right there. I never thought, okay, me and one of my best friends argue about this all the time. I thought Russell Wilson was a garbage can from day one. Wow. I swore up and down that it's that system. It's that system. I think Pete Carroll is a phenomenal coach. He gets a lot of hate. But I think the way that they have traditionally always run the ball in Seattle, it allows an average quarterback to be a little bit above average because he will always have a run game to rely on. In the NFL, if you have a run game to rely on, it's easy to be an average quarterback and still succeed. Look at the 49ers. Yeah. They literally have not had a quarterback for years, but because they're adept to being able to run the ball, it, it's almost like a too big to fail economic term. Like, and so I think, yeah, absolutely. If I'm Seattle, I re-sign Gino. He knows the offense. I think he gave a good spark to the city. Um, yeah, I re-sign him for sure. I, I'd agree. Um, he, at least for the short term, reward him for his good play. 
Yep. I mean, the, the team seems to rally around him now. You just made the playoffs. You have a top five pick, so it's not like you can't draft his replacement either. You know, you, you kind of are on the win-win-win if you're, if you're a Seahawks fan right now. You're pushing away from being mediocre, which is like the hardest basement to get out of. Yeah. It's easy to be bad, draft a bunch of good talent, and then make a good team out of that. It's hard to be stuck as a middling team with somewhat okay draft picks in a very you know subpar future. So I think the Seahawks are are huge winners from last offseason, especially. So speaking on the flip side of that trade, Broncos now, they hire Sean Payton, trade the number 30 pick to the Saints so that they can hire him. Do you think that Sean Payton can fix Russell Wilson? No. No. I don't know what is going on in Denver. I would run that team completely differently. It blows me away. I mean, it's Nathaniel Hackett, too. Former Green Bay Packers OC. Yeah, and everything points... Who was just recently canned. <laughs> for... If you look at all of the resumes of the, the talent, the people that they have acquired in Denver, everything says, yes, that should work. But I, this year coming into it, I, I thought Russell Wilson had unlimited weapons. I was a huge Albert O guy. I felt like, you know, Judy was due for a big year. Uh, you know, the running back situation there with Williams, he was fantastic. You know, I, I, I thought that team was going to do wonders this year. And it was dismal performance after dismal after dismal after dismal. Frankly, Sean Payton, I think I'm always very mixed about Sean Payton. Because I think at times he showed a lot of greatness as a coach. Um, I also think that Drew Brees is phenomenal. So I go back and forth because, you know, I think he also benefited from very, very good defensive years in New Orleans. I thought that uh, I thought, you know, Cam Jordan, there were a few other players that were there for, you know, the majority of his career, you know, really held it down for the Saints on defense. They were always a problem rushing the ball and so well especially when they were uh during bounty gate they were definitely a problem oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) um and so just a different kind of problem (laughs) i mean you know some healthy bounties you know oh well we overlooked (laughs) but i i don't know man i don't i don't buy into the broncos success you know you fool me once shame on me you fool me twice or you fool me once, shame on you. You fool me twice. You know, that's, that's my fault. You can't get fooled. I've been again. fooled. Yeah, I'm not getting fooled. Anymore. <laughs> I'm not playing it on the Broncos anymore. For me, too, I think Sean Payton can fix a lot of the offensive struggles that Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett was a little bit over his head. Trying to become a first-time head coach, be the offensive play caller, and then he, how many games did he you know, screw up because of clock management? or game management, making substitutions. Um, They had to hire an extra guy just to make those calls for him, or at least advise on those calls. And and he was still saying, oh, I want to call my offense. It's like, dude, that's why you have an offensive coordinator, a head coach, and a defensive coordinator. When you get to the top, you delegate some responsibility. I mean, it only takes like the best of the best who are able to run both Two jobs at the same yeah. time. That's where his down, main downfall was. I think Sean Payton can fix some of the issues of in that offense, but it feels like it's duct tape over a dam. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a sturdy solution necessarily. And as a Saints fan, I love Sean Payton. I appreciate him getting the Saints a first round pick for his services. Yeah, you know that's pretty clutch because the Saints traded their first away to the Eagles 
to move up in the draft last year's draft. So I, yeah, I think, I think they'll be, I'll think they'll be mediocre next year. If anything, I don't think they'll be bad. I still have beef with the saints though. I, you know, I'm, and this is a side tangent. People will think I'm crazy. I love Jameis Winston. I thought it was shysty that he didn't get his job back when he came back. Um, so, you know mm-hmm. what? I've got beef, but they did win that trade. You know, trading Champagne. Because now they, they can they can create a new identity. And I think that that's what that, that team needs. Like, they've been stuck they in that draft era. a quarterback. Well, that's that too. That's too. What, the last time they drafted a quarterback was Ian Book. But, like, the a high-round guy that they were thinking of picking – I can't. I don't think I was alive the last time they did that. Even Drew Brees was a guy that they signed on a flyer after a, shoulder, a devastating shoulder injury. Yep. So it's like, when, when was the last time they really invested in a quarterback? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater is your argument, but it's like, no. Draft a young guy that you can develop into an offense. But no, they, they refuse to and just continue to just give me gray hairs. Instead, they're rumored to Derek Carr, <laughs> who's coming off the worst year of his career. Um, after linking up with the best receiver in the league and his college teammate, Devontae Adams. Would you see Derek Carr being a good fit for the Saints? I don't think Derek Carr is a good fit for a Wendy's. That is harsh. <laughs> I've never believed in Derek Carr. I, I like, because I used to like the Raiders, like as weird as that sounds. Like, you know, I, I thought they were kind of cool and, I just, I don't see anything about Derek Carr that is appealing. He's kind of one of those NFL quarterbacks that, you know, like there's there's those quarterbacks that are always around that always seem to have a job. And I'm just kind of like, how? Like Carson Wentz, another prime example. Man had like a few good years and like still has a job in the NFL. And I, I don't know how. I think that's a very similar to Derek Carr. I think he can go somewhere. He can be completely mediocre. You know, he can hold over a franchise until maybe you do get a draft pick where, you know, you're willing to spend some some draft capital on a quarterback. Sure. Yeah, I think he can hold it over. But, I mean, I, I like where your head's at where, you know, I'm thinking, okay, like let's really take a deep look into this year's quarter. which, to be fair, I don't think that this year's quarterback depth in the draft is, is great. And so I think I may give it a year or two, but sure. I mean, he can hold you over until you decide to pull that trigger. I think it's better than last year's, at least. Yeah, that's fair. Which is saying not a lot. Which, once again, <laughs> how does Taysom Hill have a job in the NFL? I don't know. He's he's a worse Tim Tebow. He's a tight end, though, and he can catch and block. That was that was Tebow's downfall, You're was right. he couldn't You're block. Right. You're right. <laughs> well, I mean, the first one was he couldn't quite throw too accurately, but the reason he didn't make it as a tight end was he couldn't block. At least Taysom's got, can, he's just a gadget, literally can do everything on the field. That's facts. That's facts. Well, I, I also thought Team Tebow got a bad rap just because he was a lefty. Lefties look weird throwing the ball. That's just, uh, you can't show me. You know, I thought the same thing about Tua um, until someone sh- or someone posted a video of a reflection of his pl- oh, of when he beautiful. played. And I'm like, oh, his motion looks totally fine and, like, normal. Why does it look so goofy when he's a left-hand? Yep. I, th- I saw that exact same video, and I was like, I saw that, and I was like, oh, yeah, this dude's a, a true passer. I was like, he's for oh, yeah, real he's fine. <laughs> Can we talk about that storyline? Because, uh, you know, there's a few storylines that I, I really want to kind of go over. If I really had to select two, I think the Miami Dolphins are very interesting because – uh, I do love their head coach. I love the the idea of a young, you know, I bought into LaFleur. I bought into McVay. 
Um, I love the idea of a young coach, you know, revamping the style, creating new culture. And so I'm a huge fan of what the Dolphins are doing. Can Tua come back, though? Because, like, (laughs) after the man was almost killed on the field multiple times, like, he did not look the same later in the season. No, and we did a whole episode on, like, the whole player safety. Is it ethical for them to ask him to play? And he wants to play is the thing. And at the end of the day, he's responsible for his own health going forward. You know, like, it's, yeah, it's on the organization, but especially with, like, brain injuries, that's a lot of it is symptom-based. Well, if he says he's okay, if if he's seeing stars and... I can't medically diagnose that, then how, how am I supposed to stand in his way from playing? That's true. As a Dolphins organization, like it would be incredibly irresponsible to just toss him out there and just wait for him to end up on the news again. That's true. I liked what they've done with the team, other than losing the playoffs by <laughs> hitting a vape with five <laughs> seconds to go. <laughs> I mean, if there's any time you need to hit the vape, that's the, it's then. Just saying, like, <laughs> like as someone who vapes, if I was a head coach, I would have called a timeout, maybe headed back into the locker room, ripped the vape, come back out. You know, you, you can't <laughs> do it on the sidelines. That's my only argument. Oh man, I mean, he did a pretty decent job of concealing it, but like, what else? It, uh, let's so it wasn't ever confirmed necessarily by video that it was one but like you know if it looks like a vape blow smoke like one it's it's probably a vape <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna lie you know uh there's sometimes where i might be in a meeting at work and i might hit a little sneak hit like that too i i can't either confirm <laughs> nor deny but like when i saw him do it i was like yeah i get that it, it's it's hard to assess as a fan what you should do should he be allowed to play probably not Austin Collie, if you remember, was one of the most like concussed individuals that ever played football because he had, I think he had five over this course of his career, and like two has had like three in one year. Yeah, yeah. Like Wes Welker was also a big because he was a small guy again, hit around a lot. I know you're playing for your money and like this is your job, but your rookie salary is enough to live off of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then the, just the guaranteed part of it too. And then the next storyline I just wanted to kind of touch on briefly is, uh, what do we feel about the Cowboys letting go of Kellen Moore? I personally, I'm still the hugest or biggest anti Mike McCarthy guy probably ever. Um, but <laughs> like, do you think personal beef with? Oh, that. for sure, he wasted so many years of Aaron Rodgers' brilliant career. Um, you know, I see they fire Kellen Moore, which uh, do I think he was the problem? I think he heavily contributed to the problem but at the same time like you know uh, do you think a switch at offensive coordinator makes the Cowboys more relevant yes I feel like Kellen Moore was like a weird he never showed up as like a this is definitely one of the top guys in the league and especially with the Cowboys are they're in win now mode yeah. and so when you have when people are cheering when he leaves to a team that's a playoff contender, you have to wonder, like, oh, I wonder why that is. They had to run Zeke. Perry Jones probably was saying, hey, we're paying this guy too much money not to use Zeke. And I'm pretty sure he just took his last snap as a cowboy after getting steamrolled playing center. Um. <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more. And But, see, and that's that's kind of my point, though, too. It's like, how much can you honestly even blame on Kelmore? Because, like, why on God's green earth? Is, like, I mean... Pollard outperformed him every step of the way this season. And you can sit there and just wonder, like, wonder, like, why? Why was this even a thing? 
And so and trading Amari Cooper and re-signing Michael Gallup. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are y'all doing? Like, I think it's good that they are switching it up because you can't have the season they had this year and say everything is fine. We'll just run it back. Yeah. Yeah. They had to do something. Right. And, you know, you, you can't fire Dak because he just signed a huge contract. So you got to fire somebody. And they're probably not, you can't fire your head coach because that's really unjustifiable. Right. That. You go twelve and five, and you're you can't really can a guy after that, really. Uh, I mean, especially given that you had a dominant defense too, and you're saying, "Hey, Dan Quinn will make you the highest paid DC in the league." He stays, and it's like, "Well, all right." So we got the parts that definitely work. We know they for sure work. Kellen Moore, sorry, you're the casualty. I mean, Mike McCarthy's lucky to sit in the Premier League. And he, he <laughs> one losing season, you're getting sacked. No, like, you win the Champions League, you're still getting you're sacked. Still getting sacked. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. He's lucky. He's lucky he coached in the NFL. I mean, we talked a lot about the Packers. Uh, what What do you think about them go, heading forward? Uh, well, with all the drama with Aaron, you just recap the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers drama, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> just re rewind to a year ago, and it's just the same. This year. Well, uh, this year I will say uh, he's doing his – I mean, we're not going to know anything till he gets back from his darkness retreat. Um, so he came out in the news um, today – no, yesterday and uh, said that he is going on a retreat uh, where he is going to a cabin uh, that is completely dark and he will spend four days in darkness. Um He's been hanging out too much with Kyrie Irving. I I, I don't I don't know what this man <laughs> is doing. Like, like I honestly at this point, like I'm kind of okay moving on. Like I never thought I would reasonably say that, but then again, I also never thought I'd see the Packers lose to the Lions twice in one season. So you know, I I still love the something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to give. I love the guy. I think that if 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 he was gonna go. Now would maybe be the year to do it, but it's hard to argue that because we're still a win-now team. Aaron Jones had the best year of his career this year, and not to mention still have a dynamite backup in A.J. Dillon. I thought our receivers really turned up at the end of the year. You know, Watson finally showed up. Dobbs, is he's getting there, you know, and so uh, it's hard to justify saying, hey, Aaron, you know, see you later. We're going to rebuild with a young quarterback. Because I still feel like we're easily a very, very good team. And the New York Jets just signed one of his former coordinators, someone who enjoys working with Aaron. Yeah. If, if Aaron wants to go to the Jets, like, listen, like, by all means. I, I don't, like, I mean, that's just career suicide. You don't, you don't go to the Jets <laughs> and succeed. No, no one goes to the Jets and succeed. Yeah, just ask Sam Darnold how that goes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, but that's also Sam. Anyways. <laughs> but you know it's it's one of those things i think love could i think he can perform i don't i, don't, I mean he's not aaron Rodgers, but i I'd, I'd take love over Derek carr you actually have a future with jordan love, exactly and he can't he came out as like a 21 year old yeah. so he's in his last year of his deal and or this year or was it is he a free agent right now no no, no this, this would be the last year of it all right, so yeah, he's in the last year of his deal. He's only he's probably the same age as some of the rookie quarterbacks in the class right now, and he's sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. Might as well. I mean, he's at least <laughs> seven, this is the time to try him out. He's at least seven years younger than Stetson Bennett. So, 
<laughs> oh man Stetson Bennett is the new Brandon Whedon changed my mind yeah my... <laughs> uh, it's called a national championship I just want to touch on one more yep. thing that I thought was probably the one of the funniest things all season NFL draft the number one pick on the line when it's a quarterback class coming in we got CJ Stroud Bryce Young looking at the top maybe even will levis from kentucky so you have the texans and the bears and lovey smith who's on the heels of getting fired does one last homie move for the bears by beating indianapolis colts ruining their perfected tank and getting securing them the second overall pick and improving the colts one of my best friends he's a houston guy um loves the texans for no reason loves the texans uh, he called that halfway through the game. He goes, Lovey's going to screw us. And <laughs> like, sure enough. But at the same time, like, I think that that's the right move. You play not to win the game. No, that's not even what, that's not even why. I mean, the, <laughs> the Bears don't need a quarterback. Like, the only thing that that did for the Bears was strengthen potential trade capital. Like, if you've got a team, you know, five, six picks behind it, okay, fine. Like, you know, the Bears can trade that pick, drop down a little bit, but they don't need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off. I, I've I've said it for years. The number one pick in the NFL is not always, like, they don't always make the right choices because they're so influenced to take, quote-unquote, the big name, you know, the most talented player. Mm -hmm. And, like, we don't often see number one picks succeed in the NFL. And so, if anything, I think what Houston did uh, was was masterful because, honestly, I'll take the second pick all day long. It takes the pressure off. You know, you get one pick off the board, and all of a sudden, you've got the whole draft opened up to you. And now, it's people that are hungry because they they got gypped. They didn't get taken number one. And and so, like, I, I'm a big fan of the number two pick, and I think that, ultimately, Houston benefits more from the number two pick than they would have the number one. I think they would benefit from guaranteeing getting Bryce Young instead of getting into a bidding war with the Colts to try to trade for that number one pick. Because that opens just that little air of uncertainty of like, man, this pick is going to be hard to trade up for. But what if our division rival picks the guy that we desperately need? Yeah. I mean, but they're still sitting down there at number four. And it's like, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself in that scenario, um, what are they going to trade the Bears like that? I don't know. I guess the Bears desperately need maybe like a high end wide receiver, maybe their pick. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, you know, there's only if you really look at it, I would say. If you if you want to say that the Seattle Seahawks need a QB, you know, maybe. Um, I think it, the most appealing trade for the Bears uh, is, and I don't know if they can afford it. I'm, you know, I'm not good with the the cap and everything like that. Uh, but I think the best trade for the Bears is looking at someone like our Oakland Raiders, and you know, saying, "Hey, look, you need to rebuild. You've got a really expensive guy you just signed, and Devontae Adams. I think Devontae Adams would be super, just ridiculous with Justin Fields." You know, if any trade makes sense, I don't think the the Colts does, but I, I do think the Raiders, uh, that one makes sense. Or at least um, steal a bunch of the Raiders' draft capital 
in order to pair a rookie quarterback with Devontae in Vegas. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, and so I, I think there are some appealing ones. Uh, you also could say, you know, maybe because like Carolina needs a QB, Atlanta needs a QB. Uh, they kind of round out the top 10. And so, uh, but also at the same time, too, I think for the Texans, like you're not like terribly worried because you also have the number 12 pick, you know, and and uh, from the from the Browns. And I so I think that, you know, they've got enough first round draft capital to where they can really do what they need. Uh, I don't know if I'm the biggest Bryce Young fan. I, you know, I think I think he's good. Also, I think it's it's really big time seeing what happens with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You think he you think he deserves the money he's asking for? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like that man that man at one I think it was like twelve weeks through the season would have been the number four fantasy running back and then the number one fantasy quarterback respectively <laughs> if you just looked at either rushing and or passing yards. Like like the man is every bit of what he says he is, and the craziest thing is, is I don't think Baltimore is going to pay him. Like, you know, and that's that's the wildest thing to me is like we're talking about Lamar Jackson. I think will be a a free agent that leaves Baltimore and makes makes a team immediately a contender. I mean, you saw how good they played with Tyler Huntley and. Backup Tyler Huntley. <laughs> Good wouldn't be the word I'd use. The the Ravens have never been a, a franchise that historically has spent money on a QB. And so that's why I immediately think that. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I don't think they're going to do it now. And and I think it'll be one of the biggest mistakes they ever make. Well, the last time they did, it was Joe Flacco, who is, was discussed as an elite quarterback. I like how you threw disgust. You could have also put like allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. You know, allegedly. Like, I mean, Lamar Jackson's a tough case, right? Because he's kind of going through what RG3 went through, where, yes, you do take a risk as a rushing quarterback, especially someone who fights for extra yards. You're going to get hit more. Therefore, the risk you take game to game by getting hit more is to get injured more. Yeah, when he's on the field, man, is he a dynamic? Does he change a game? Yes. But how often can he stay on the field, especially when you're looking at long-term contracts? So I understand the hesitancy to throw just like a, you know, a Patrick Mahomes deal, Josh Allen deal at him. Sit here this long and not try to at least throw something on that's, a, you know, a Dak Prescott deal that's like five years. Lamar would probably make pretty good on that more than anyone else you got out there. But you think Baker Mayfield's going to give you what Lamar can? No. You think Derek Carr can? Probably not. I'm a Derek Carr believer, and I I still think no. Lamar's in the conversation of one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and you're still just letting him sit here without locking him down is beyond me. You know what team Lamar would absolutely turn the NFL upside down on? Would be the 49ers. They wouldn't run a pass play. They, yeah, they never <laughs> It would and just be run with Debo, run a pass with McCaffrey to Lamar Jackson. That would be the most absurd offense on, on paper. Like, if that were to happen, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, like, Lamar Jackson. Like, 
it's hard to find a more athletic team or like a team like you, you don't you do not know what they're going to do week to week. <laughs> you know the rush yards are going to be high. That is it. <laughs> I mean, but I feel like you could easily spend one whole game. Like, let's say you run the ball one game, you could come out the next week and run nothing but play action and see CMC, Debo, and Kittle go for like six hundred receiving yards and Lamar torch a team. And so, like, I, I don't. It would just be it would be ridiculous. That would that would be a sight. But the Ravens would be out of their mind if they thought that they could try to snag one of these rentals for any better. Right now we got a, a Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl on the line. It you know, it's a national ho- it should be a national holiday at this point, right? Like why don't we get Monday off yeah. work slash bank holidays, you know? Like, come on. I took Monday off work. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a national holiday to one person here. <laughs> Listen, we get a floating holiday at work, and besides my birthday, I can't think of a better day to use it. You know, I'm with you there. I just work with a lot of people who aren't from the U.S., so I have to explain to them this is a very important thing because football is important. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, real quick, I I had one more question because did you see that tweet? It was like, what uh, what if the sports had no media? like no media coverage and like you didn't know a team's roster until game one of the next season. Oh my gosh. Could you, could you imagine like if you didn't have uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and, and could you imagine if those people just didn't exist and you didn't know your team's roster until game one of the next season? <laughs> when they announced the starting lineup. Yep. Could you imagine that... kind of how interesting and chaotic that would be? Falcons fans that Matt Ryan would be starting from in the Colts this year. If you told Colts fans that Matt Ryan's going to be starting for you. Exactly. Like, could you imagine people losing their mind when coming out of the tunnel is Matt Ryan in Indianapolis? I would have, I'd sell my season tickets day one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I well, thought we had Phil Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you for entertaining that last question because I saw that tweet and I lost my mind. I was like, man. It would be a year-end debate on whether I'd ever see Aaron Rodgers ever again, like every year. <laughs> More than it already is. Yeah. Great talking with you, as always. Yeah, brother, I appreciate you. And uh, hopefully, you know, we're right around the corner from baseball season and uh, the finishing up of the Premier League. So I'm excited. Hopefully we'll be, uh, we'll be chatting again soon. But until then, rest easy and uh, live life. And with all that, thank you so much for listening, all of you out there. We will see you next time. 